Hello, my name is Jolie, and today I'm going to be talking all about the Green New Deal. While a lot of the time the phrase Green New Deal is passed around by critics and supporters alike, I know personally I have previously had a hard time figuring out exactly what it means. For one, watching the final Democratic debate back in October, we heard now presidential-elect Joe Biden face criticism for referencing the Green New Deal within his climate plan from Trump. Soon after this statement, we heard Joe Biden address not supporting this resolution and state that he does not abide by ending fracking. To many viewers of the debate and people interested in what inclusive climate policies like the Green New Deal look like, this was no help. Wanting to finally have a space to learn, I decided to do some research on the Green New Deal, its timeline, what it truly encompasses, and why it matters to create this podcast today. So first, what exactly is the Green New Deal? So the Green New Deal is a congressional resolution that lays out a grand plan for tackling climate change. Introduced by Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York and Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts, both Democrats, the proposal calls on the federal government to wean the United States from fossil fuels and curb planet warming greenhouse gas emissions. It also aims to guarantee new high-paying jobs in clean industry, clean energy industries. The goal of the Green New Deal is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in order to avoid the worst consequences of climate change, while also trying to fix societal problems like economic inequalities and racial injustice. The resolution uses two major reports issued last year by the United Nations and by federal scientists who warned that if global temperatures continue to rise, the world is headed for more intense heat waves, wildfires, and droughts. The research shows that the United States economy could lose billions of dollars by the end of this century because of climate change. Currently, carbon emissions are rising by 3.4% in 2018 and by 2.7% globally, according to early estimates. Supporters of the Green New Deal also believe that change can't just be technological and say it must also tackle poverty, income inequality, and racial discrimination, which is heavily important and very true. So what does the Green New Deal encompass? Reading deeper into this congressional resolution, it says the entire world needs to get to net zero emissions by 2050, meaning as much carbon would have to be absorbed as released into the atmosphere, and the United States must take a leading role in achieving that. The Green New Deal calls on the federal government to dramatically reduce global greenhouse gas emissions, create high-paying jobs, ensure that clean air, clean water, and healthy foods are basic human rights and end all forms of oppression. To achieve those goals, the plan calls for the launch of a 10-year mobilization to reduce carbon emissions in the United States. It envisions sourcing 100% of the country's electricity from renewable and zero-emission powers, digitizing the nation's power grid upgrading every building in the country to be more energy efficient and overhauling the nation's transportation system by investing in electrical vehicles and high-speed rail. To address social justice, the resolution says it is the duty of the government to provide job training and new economic development, particularly to communities that currently rely on jobs in the fossil fuel industries. 
As I have mentioned in the beginning of my podcast, there are many critics who speak on the Green New Deal, including Trump. President Trump has claimed that the Green New Deal will take away from so-called people's airplane rights. Senator Tom Cotton, who is a Republican from Arkansas, told Hugh Hewitt, the conservative radio host, that the proposal would confiscate cars and require Americans to ride around on high-speed light rail, supposedly powered by unicorn tears. And Senator John Barrasco, Republican of Wyoming and the chairman of the Committee on Environment and Public Works, warned that ice cream, cheeseburgers, and milkshakes would be a thing of the past because under the Green New Deal, livestock would supposedly be banned. The resolution does not do any of those things. Instead, however, the Green New Deal does call on the federal government to make investments in policies and projects that would eventually change the way we design buildings, travel, and eat. For example, let's start off with cows. So to reduce methane, a powerful greenhouse gas that cows and other livestock emit, the resolution proposes working collaboratively with farmers and ranchers in the United States to eliminate pollution and greenhouse gas emissions from the agricultural sector as much as is technologically feasible. So from face value, the phrase Green New Deal sounds like a deal that has to do with the environment. However, its name holds much more of a significance in relation to history. The Green New Deal takes its name from an inspiration from the major governmental makeover known as the New Deal launched by President Franklin D. Roosevelt to help the United States recover from the Great Depression. That series of public works programs and financial forms, including the Civilian Conservation Corps, which put people to work in manual labor jobs like planting trees and constructing park trails, and the creation of Public Works Administration to work on the construction of bridges, dams, schools, and more. Like the New Deal, the Green New Deal is not a single project or piece of legislation. The first use of the term Green New Deal in the U.S. may trace back to New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman, who called for one in 2007 in a column, as well as in his book Hot, Flat, and Crowded, as a kind of green globalism. As Kaufman noted in a story on these history, none of other than Barack Obama was taken by Friedman's idea and included a Green New Deal in his 2008 platform. Among the same time in 2007, British economist Richard Murphy began discussing a Green New Deal and founded the Green New Deal group, which funneled some ideas of the Labour Party. The UN also took up the idea calling for a global Green New Deal in 2009. However, this candidate did not win in the UK in 2009, and the Republicans swept the 2010 midterms, and the idea mostly went silent, at least among politicians. In 2016, a Green New Deal became the centerpiece of the Green Party presidential campaign of Jill Stein. Indeed, a Green New Deal had been part of the US Green Party's platform for over a decade. Bernie Sanders, in 2016, had a campaign ran that included a Green New Deal, and then in 2018 at the midterms, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, now a representative, took it up. After the 2016 race, some folks who worked on the Sanders campaign started an organization called Brand New Congress, with the goal of recruiting 400 fresh new faces to run for Congress and take over the Congress to be progressive. 
Part of the shared platform was an ambitious climate plan, at this time not addressed as the Green New Deal. Brand new Congress empowered a group called Justice Democrats. They went on to recruit several winning candidates like Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, and Ayanna Presley. Among them was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who ran against an incumbent centrist Democrat Joe Crowley in the New York's 14th District primary. The co-founder of Brand New Converse became Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's co-campaign manager, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who was already committed to putting climate change at the top of her agenda, eagerly embraced the Green Mobilization Plan and began using the Green New Deal branding. If you want to learn more about these progressive individuals in Congress, you can watch my previous podcast on progressive women of color in Congress. So now here is a large rundown of the process the Green New Deal has been through and how it came to be the Green New Deal as it is known today. Soon after these individuals were elected to Congress came the first week of orientation for new people of Congress. Shortly prior, the IPCC, which is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, had released its latest report with the ominous news that humanity had just over a decade to peak and began rapidly reducing global carbon emissions if there is to be any hope of hitting the international target of limiting global temperature rise to no more than 2 degrees Celsius. There was already enormous energy and mobilization by young activists to push climate change to the top of the agenda. Then a piece in the Hill reported that House Democrats had no plan to move on climate change, which appeared nowhere on their list of priorities. Meanwhile, House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi started talking that day after the election about bipartisan marketplace of ideas, which is not exactly what you'd call reading the room. Nancy Pelosi signaled that she planned to revive the Selection Committee on Energy Independence and Global Warming, but activists in the incoming class of Social Democrats wanted something much bolder. They didn't see any point in pursuing cooperation with Republicans, a strategy that had proven fruitless for decades, and they didn't want climate policy tucked away in a committee that would do nothing but hold hearings and discuss how real global warming is real. But it gave them something to ask for. They couldn't very well demand the full Green New Deal before the Congress was even sworn in, but they could ask for a commitment. So the Sunrise Movement, a youth-led organization organizing around the Green New Deal, planned a sit-in in Nancy Pelosi's office to demand a committee that would be charged with actually developing a plan to meet the ambitious targets implied by the IPCC report. Sunrise approached Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to ask if she might help publicize the event, perhaps with a tweet. Instead, she vowed to show up. She and her team had been casting around for some early way to push the Green New Deal into the public consciousness and onto the Democratic agenda. Working together, Sunrise, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and the Justice Democrats quickly hashed out a proposal for a selection committee on a Green New Deal, outlining their vision for the kind of plan such a committee would produce. Sunrise brought close to 200 youth activists to Pelosi's office on November 13th. Ocasio-Cortez, taking a break from orientation, stopped by to rally them and show her to support. The media swarmed in. In retrospect, though, it came together on a fly. The timing was marvelous. The elections were over. There was no presidential election yet. Trump had it tweeted for a while, and the political press was a bit bored in a sense. 
the IPCC had put climate change in the news, and the prospect of a young, newly elected, not yet sworn in progressive representative leading a youth protest against her leader to be proved irresistible. In the ensuing weeks, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Sunrise pushed incoming members of Congress to sign on to the Green New Deal Select Committee plan. On December 10th, there was another sit-in in Nancy Pelosi's office, this time with the activists stretched out by the door. By the end, 40 members of Congress, including several notable senators like Senator Booker, Senator Sanders, and Jeff Merkley, signed on to support the committee. So while this is the history of the Green New Deal, where does it stand today? Howie Hawkins, the Green Party's 2020 presidential candidate, ran on a Green New Deal platform calling for the U.S. to reach zero greenhouse gas emissions and 100% clean energy by 2030. However, Democratic Party presidential-elect Joe Biden has declined to endorse the full Green New Deal plan proposed by members of his own party, but he has promised to increase generation of renewable energy, transition to more energy-efficient buildings, and increase fuel efficiency standards for automobiles. This is not enough. While this may be the case, the Green New Deal is continuing to prevail by numerous politicians, especially grassroots organizers and activists. It is obvious there needs to be active, progressive climate policies put into place for our planet. The Green New Deal has the possibility to provide investments and leveraging funds to help communities affected by climate change, specifically communities of color, the working class, and low-income individuals. The Green New Deal will repair and upgrade existing infrastructure to withstand extreme weather and ensure all bills related to infrastructure in Congress address climate change. So this concludes my podcast, and I want to thank you for listening. I did not include everything, so I encourage you to please do more research on your own to learn more about the Green New Deal, what it's all about, where it is right now, etc. So thank you so much for listening to my podcast.